and welcome to Bury the Lead. I'm one of your co-hosts, Winnipeg Free Press columnist Jen Zratty, and I'm your other co-host, Winnipeg Free Press and multimedia producer Aaron Labar. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2019. Can't hardly believe it. I know. I can't believe 1999 was 20 years ago. I feel like an old bag. <laughs> I know. Like, that's, that's been breaking my brain since New Year's. Like, yeah, I'm 30 this year. You are 30 this year. Oh, and you're getting married. Extra old bag. <laughs> um yeah we'll be talking about i guess new year's yeah christmas yeah all that kind of stuff how was your week sir yeah we also have a guest for today's pod yes we do because we are organized (laughs) (laughs) we have um keith mcpherson joining us today keith is well i knew him well he was actually my student teacher when i was in queenston elementary school which is hilarious yeah so i know him as a musician he uh was part of the duo keith or nay for a really long time he Mm -hmm. just released his first solo record but he's also a mindfulness and wellness coach and a yoga teacher and is very involved in that aspect of things. So he's coming on the pod to talk about how to approach resolutions um, with a mindfulness lens, among other things, and his new book as well. How are your weeks, uh, plural? Good. I mean, after we did the live show, I felt hungover. I know. Because it was so much work, but it was a lot of fun. I want to thank everyone again who came. Um, it was great. We had a really good time. Yes, it was. Uh, I was riding the high of that show for a long time. Yeah. It was awesome. And then Christmas came and we don't really get like a huge amount of time off. We get Christmas Day and Boxing Day off. So you're kind of like fitting in all of the holiday stuff amongst your regular work stuff. And then you keep having to go back to work for like a, a spell. A day and then you have another day. I mean, I'm not complaining. I enjoy having no. the days off, which is lovely. But it just is very disorientating and, and yes. it's not very restful. Like as you had mentioned, it's like you assume you're going to come back to work on January 2nd and feel very refreshed. But really you yeah. ha- have had no time off and are well, doing a million things. So, And also it's another example of how time is an illusion, right? Yeah. Because it's like you keep going back to work so every weekday that you work feels like monday yeah so it's really like, weird what day is it right now like it feels like it should be tuesday because we record on thursdays yeah and it's a three-day week yeah it's very weird but i had a really lovely christmas pretty quiet like my brother and sister-in-law are expecting their first child like Her, any day now, any right? day now so we were kind of like on holding bated breath or whatever the phrase is mm-hmm. waiting for the baby has not arrived yet um, so, so you're going to be an ant, becoming an aunt in 2019 as well. This yeah, is, it's, it's like a, big year. a big year. It's a big year. But it's I had a lot of family time and a lot of eating. And yeah, it was a really nice kind of chill holiday season, which is great. Yes, yeah, same for me. Um, yeah, super chill. Went to my husband's family's, uh, well, husband's parents' house to celebrate with his family um, on Christmas Eve. I'm sorry, but the weird noise. I was like, I sense a burp <laughs> happening <laughs> mid-sentence. <laughs> It's like the kind you can talk through. Um, <laughs> gurgle, if you will. <laughs> and uh, then my family on Christmas Day. So it was a nice split. Yeah. Not too much traveling around. Yeah. Boxing Day, we were able to spend at home. So that was also mm-hmm. very nice. So yeah, overall, a good time. Are you a New Year's celebrator? Um, typically, I do go out. But this year, because it was so cold, we just went to my parents' place, which is just a few blocks away from where we live. We do fondue every... Sometimes we do it New Year's Eve. Sometimes we do it New Year's Day. So we decided to do it New Year's Eve this year because nobody wanted to go to a party. Yeah. So we did fondue, played board games. My dad had some hilarious commentary from the other room on the New Year's <laughs> Rock and Eve festivities on television. Um, apparently, he loves Sean Mendez now. So 
No. You know, it's always, <laughs> it's always a surprise. Yeah. I believe the direct quote was, I think I'm in love. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, typical Labar shenanigans. Um, anything that you're, uh, it's kind of like a New Year's Eve themed episode. Kind of. Yeah. Um, any like, we talk resolutions in the main segment. Yeah. So, like we will talk about that later, but I'm curious about if you have any work related goals or podcast related goals for this year. Um, I feel lame saying like nothing specific, but, <laughs> but just like to gr- grow both, grow our listenership, grow as a writer, just anything that, that, that equates to growth of some fashion. I am in for that. I, like I don't that. like setting like specific goals, which I will mention later mm-hmm. because I just feel like I'm setting myself up to fail, but I'm into those just things. Too. Anything that makes my life better I'm, yeah I'm all for that yeah I'm with you on that I think uh and we talk about this obviously and I wrote a column about resolutions as well but I find that um sometimes when we do set goals they're not specific enough mm-hmm. and that also leads to some of the unattainable unsustainable that kind of thing right um so yeah with my work things and podcast things I only have one and that is just to do stuff I'm excited about yeah I'd like to do another live pod. Yeah. Was, I would like to do the food road trip again. That was, yeah. that was also super fun. Yeah. So we have a few things. Yeah. So stay tuned. So we are joined by Keith McPherson today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me here. So you are a musician, a, a mindfulness coach, yoga teacher, speaker, Anything else on that list? Well, and now author of a new book. Now author of a new book. <laughs> That's right. Yes, which we are holding in our hands right now. So it's called Making Sense of Mindfulness, Five Principles to Integrate Mindfulness Practice into Your Daily Life. Can you tell us a little bit about what's in this book? Yeah. Well, this is a book that I wrote over the last five years, and it was handwritten originally. And Oh, like like on paper? Like, it, like on paper oh in scribblers. It was, oh my God. As writers, I'm sure you could appreciate what that's all about. I have it right here. I have it right here. <laughs> oh my God. I, could, I, I don't write anything by hand though. I'm impressed by that. Oh yeah. Well, it was kind of not a choice. I, I have this morning <laughs> practice every morning where I get up and I meditate and I, I write a page every day. And about five years ago, I was writing and my hand just kept going. And I was getting this kind of like intuitive cue that I'd be writing a book. And I'm like, what? I'm right. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to write. Like, <laughs> and the next thing I knew, there was a book getting written and uh, I just kept going back every day. And one thing led to the next. And before too long, I had two scribblers just completely channeled out. And so typing it out was the challenging part, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this book is um, basically, it's called Making Sense of Mindfulness. And it's uh, five principles to integrate what I've come to know as mindfulness practice into into somebody's life. And it's, um, yeah, it's quite a practical approach to this whole topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mindfulness has become such a buzzword. Mm-hmm. That's hearing. for sure, yeah. Yeah, everyone, mindfulness everywhere, you know, and, and what does this exactly mean? So I tried to, in my best way possible, um, break down what does this word actually mean and how can I use this in my life and why is it relevant? So, so maybe, I know it's like, there's obviously a book's length to say on that subject, but what's kind of the Cole's notes of that? What is mindfulness yeah. and, and what are some practical ways people can bring it to their lives and what are some of the reasons they should? Yeah. Well, I mean, the simplest way to think about mindfulness in the way that I've found come to know it is mindfulness is like paying attention in the present moment to yourself and others with kindness 
And it sounds so simple. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, but if you really consider it, like most of us are going around in the world and are, just our, our constant state of thinking is just like beating ourselves up, you know, like even the, the research they've done on this, we think over 60,000 thoughts a day. Um, wow. 85% of those thoughts tend to be chronic, repetitive thoughts and 95% of them negative. Mm -hmm. Wow. So yeah. if you think about it, yeah. how many of us are walking around and we're not being kind to ourselves simply in the way we're thinking. We're just totally like, I'm not good enough. I need to do better. I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mindfulness at its very basic form is to start noticing what am I thinking about? And are these thoughts building me up or are these thoughts beating me up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful practice Absolutely. to become aware of. And yeah. do you feel that like if people are not taking the time to be kind to themselves, that it's harder than to be kind to other people? Absolutely. I mean, I think that this whole idea of compassion, which is another aspect of mindfulness practice, kindness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's impossible to to completely be genuinely kind to other people if you've got this kind of you, you can't give away what you don't have. Right. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And I think a lot of times we're not very compassionate to ourselves and recognizing what's going on in our lives. So it's like this expectation that, you know, we quote, should be doing this or should be operating at a certain capacity all the time. Yeah. Not recognizing that life ebbs, ebbs and, and flows, flows and there's peaks and valleys and that it's okay to feel a certain way. It's true. Based on what's going on in your life. So I was just thinking back about this. I, I was on tour. I was in a band called Keith and Renee for years mm -hmm. and we were touring and it was getting to that stage in the music scene where music was no longer really a business model. I don't mm, know if you've mm -hmm. noticed the trends in this, but it's like, oh, yeah. oh my goodness, like with Apple Music and Spotify, like musicians are making like $15 a quarter on royalties. Yeah. Well, yeah. we used to make thousands. It's like, and we were right in the middle of that and I was on tour and I was feeling so down. Like we were, I remember driving along the East Coast and playing shows for like five people and, you know, getting, barely selling any records. And it was just like probably one of the lowest points of my life. And I felt like I was just in this grind of just like working, like mm -hmm. t constantly working mm -hmm. for no reward. And mm -hmm. it was just like such a downer. And I remember my saving grace was I used to have um, these CDs by a guy named Dr. Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. And I used to put them on in the car while we were touring. And he would be like, change your thoughts. Your life will change when you change your thinking. And I'm mm -hmm. like, what? <laughs> and all of a sudden, it was like I started noticing things like shifting where the right people were coming into my life or the right opportunities. And I was like, wow, there is something to this whole idea of what I'm thinking about in the present moment on a regular basis. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, and I've talked about this on the podcast before and I'm open about it, but I do cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety. And a lot of that has to do with mindfulness and thoughts, right? Right. And kind of learning to separate sort of your distorted thoughts, which are often those negative thoughts. So, you know, all or none thinking, yeah. fortune telling, mind reading, motivation reading and other people, like all those things. Yeah. And separating thoughts from feelings because Often how we speak about our thoughts is, well, I feel like blah, blah, blah. And my therapist will be like, well, it's not a feeling. That's a thought. A feeling is like anger or jealousy. Those are feelings. But, you know, like I'm not productive enough. Right. It's not a feeling. That's a thought. And here's why that thought is distorted. So bringing that back to mindfulness, I'm curious about your own mindfulness practice. And if there was, what was the most challenging piece of that about kind of like, rewriting some of those tapes that play on a loop in our, all of our minds. Yeah. Well, for me, there's um, this aspect called the saboteur that I write about in the book. It's principle two. I call it expose the saboteur. Um, the saboteur to me is that 
part of us that comes up either as a voice or a feeling within us that tells us we can't or we shouldn't, or we're not good enough. And it, it stems all the way back to how we were like conditioned growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it goes back generations of, you know, don't say this or don't do that. And all of a sudden we adopt this kind of way of being in the world where um, we, we really feel kind of like pigeonholed mm-hmm. and we're, we're stuck almost like a flea in a jar. Absolutely. And uh, so to me, that, that was one of the most challenging pieces of the practice was to start realizing that I'm not necessarily this conditioned belief that is coming up at certain times and making me feel super uncomfortable. And to start naming it as opposed to letting it run my show is a very empowering practice because when I name this aspect of the saboteur, um, and even get to maybe visualize it too. Like mm-hmm. mine looks like a little stick character in my head. Even right now, it's telling me you're doing a terrible <laughs> job at this interview. <laughs> what are you doing here? You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, as soon as I name that, it's like it loses its power. But mm-hmm. if I think that's yeah. all I am, all of a sudden I'm I'm running around in the world thinking that I'm not good enough and I need to do more and be more and get mm-hmm. more. And so many of us are feeling that way. Mm-hmm. Like we just can't keep oh, up sure. with all of it. You know? I feel like that's a really good segue into New Year's resolutions because mm-hmm. we are now in the first week of January. I'm sure many listeners have outlined some pretty widespread plans for their year. I'm sure by now you've also <laughs> abandoned some, some of, of those, those plans. <laughs> some of those plans. <laughs> I mean, I have sort of like a hate on for resolutions. I just feel like they're very much blanket statements that are kind of setting people up to fail. But I'm curious to hear your uh, opinion from a mind- mindfulness perspective about resolutions. Yeah, there's so there's so much perspective here. I mean, for me, I think the number one thing when when setting resolutions or goals of any kind is so often we're not consciously doing it. We're just kind of just saying, well, yeah, I need to like eat less this year. Or I need to go to the gym. And it's like it's just mm-hmm. the conscious mind making the decision. Right. But there's this other part of us, the unconscious mind that to me I found is connected to our creativity, our spirit, our intuition. And so when making resolutions, I found it really helpful to check in intuitively as well, not just like consciously Mm -hmm. in my thinking. Mm -hmm. And so I take it to what I would say, I take it to my heart and I I ask, I get, I create a little space in my life and just, you know, take a few breaths and I check in and I ask the the truest part of me, like my intuition, I ask, I'm like, what what is it that I truly want to create in my life right now? And there's a difference when I really learn how to listen to that place mm-hmm. as opposed to the outer noise that's telling me I should do this or I need to be this. It's like, what is on my heart that is like most resonant, mm-hmm. you know? And my saboteur right now is saying, all these listeners think this is the cheesiest answer. <laughs> but it, you know what? There's something really powerful about like just really learning how to listen internally to what's my inner compass mm-hmm. and to set the resolution from that place is... Uh, very effective i find i very much believe in following your gut instinct on on big decisions for sure and also evaluating what your original goal with something is that you've mentioned to me before especially when we were leading up to doing the live pod Mm -hmm. and i found it very helpful yeah i found and that is that is a a therapy thing for sure but it's just okay what is your original intent to do this so for the live show that we did a couple weeks ago um we started getting stressed because we're like, oh, we don't know. Like it's, it's the saboteur thing. Totally. Where you're like, oh, maybe we're not selling enough tickets or maybe people don't like, maybe not enough people listen to this podcast or maybe no one will come and like, all those was things. Was this a dumb idea? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had a session and my therapist was like, well, what was your original goal for this project? And I was like, to do a live podcast, have some fun, but do a live podcast with my friend and maybe raise some money. And she's like, you're successful. 
She's like, you've met that goal. She's like, you've already met that goal. She's like, and you will meet that goal. So I found that super helpful kind of applying it to other areas of your life too, where it's that total self check-in. It's like, okay, what is my original goal? Or why do I want to do this at all? And I think that's another like big piece of that too, especially around this time of year when you start getting like all like the fitness and weight loss. Right. Well, like do, do I quote need to lose weight? Like, you know, at, like ask those questions because I think a lot of us are just like, oh, I, uh, you know, I quote should do this. And it's like, or like, do I want to go to the gym because it makes me feel better? Yeah. Like, what is your what is your goal there? Yeah. What's your why? Yeah. yeah. What's your why? What's yeah. your why is totally. Oh, I love that. Totally right. Put in the next book. <laughs> yeah, that's good. We should all co-write a new book called What's Your Why. <laughs> the the other thing that blew my blew my damn mind that I learned recently that I am looking to apply this year, and it's not really a resolution, but just something that I feel like I can do more is the can't. So when you say you can't do something, you have relinquished control. You're like, okay, I can't do it. I Mm -hmm. can't do it. Instead, reframe your can'ts to I can, but. So let's say you're trying to like, oh, you know, a lot of people have financial goals this year, right? Where it's like, I, I, I can't spend money because I'm trying to meet this financial goal. A reframe could be, I can, but here are the consequences. Oh, I love it. And are you prepared to deal with consequences? Great. Go forth and do what you need to do. And sometimes you are prepared to deal with the consequences. Absolutely. <laughs> but sometimes you're not. So then, but it, it makes you feel like you're back in the driver's seat. Yeah, absolutely. And I found that super powerful. I was like, oh my God, this is my annual, <laughs> everyone should go to therapy. But like, <laughs> honestly, it's, it, it was one of those things where it's just so simple and it's it totally, um, you're talking about the saboteur reminded me of that i called them tiny cops where you have like tiny police people in your mind oh like, yeah yours look don't like do that don't th- yeah like they're totally Little like sirens going on. yeah exactly yeah. like yeah. as soon as i have like i think of something like they just roll up sirens blaring be like no like you're <laughs> dumb <love> like <laughs> well this place of like should and shouldn't as well mm-hmm. i mean that's a, a really common theme within the saboteur way of mm-hmm. thinking is like i should have or i shouldn't have and i always like joke like it's time to stop shooting on yourself <laughs> Absolutely. Like, like, literally. That, that is true. Enough like, of that. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Um, in terms of, I want to ask you too, like with mindfulness and meditation, mm-hmm. are those the same? Because I feel like sometimes they're used interchangeably. interchangeably. They are. I mean, we get really caught up in like all the languaging of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's definitely an aspect of mindfulness that can be meditative, you know, um, meditation in its basic form in my experience of it, is to get present, to be present mm. to the, the now, right here, what's happening, and to start noticing when my thoughts are wandering outside of the present moment, which is not necessarily always a bad thing, but um, to come back, to, to return back, and to be aware when you are drifting into the past or the future planning of right. what you're thinking about. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of like synergy between those two aspects to it. Um, with the mindfulness way of thinking, I think it's... Um, it's put it in a framework that's made it a little bit more accessible to more people. When people hear the word meditation, I think sometimes they start thinking about, oh, this is like a religion or something. But to me, this is just a way of being in the world. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, there's no real, to me, there's no real dogma around it, any of this stuff. It's like, it's just really monitoring how am I being while I'm doing what I'm doing. And if I'm not conscious of how I'm being, a lot of times my doing can be really misaligned and mm. I get stressed out and mm-hmm. I'm burnt out and I'm depressed, like driving on the, you know, <laughs> on the freeway thinking, why am I doing this with my life playing music when the music industry is dying? And so yeah. it's like um, becoming conscious in the moment of what's going on and asking those questions like why. Yeah. Why is it so hard to do? being present and being mindful because and particularly with question yeah because i it's it's not 
innate, right? I think it's something that you have to learn. And I I think that's why you call it a practice, right? Yeah. Why is it so difficult, do you think, for people to be in the moment? A lot of different answers to this. (laughs) Um, I I believe that if we were going a little deeper since we're on a podcast here. Yeah, why not? I would, I believe like if you think about it, like where do we come from? And that place where we originated from, uh, no one really knows, but I can tell you that it's a place of nowhere. It's not of the physical form when you think about it. It's nowhere. And if you think of the word nowhere and you just split that in half, it's the same word as now here. And so in a split second from nowhere, you arrive here on the planet in this physical form and you're now here for however many years you're here in this physical form. And in some ways, like the, the egoic part of us is convinced that we're separate from and somehow we're like, I'm only this body and I am what I have and I am what I do and I am what I'm wearing. But the truth is then all of a sudden, like you leave the planet and where do you go? We don't really know, but it's back, I think, to a place of this nowhere, this oneness. You can't separate whatever that is. And um, Muktananda, this teacher in meditation, was asked, like, what is real? And his answer was profound. He said, that which is real never changes. So if you think about it, even right now, as you're, if you're driving while you're listening to this or as we're talking, like we're not even the same people that walked in this space or, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. You know, or that started this car ride. Like we're constantly changing. So, but we're somehow convinced egoically that like this is real and this is like I am what I do or I am what I have. And when we get super stuck there in that place, all of a sudden our mind is trying to like hold on and go, well, I need to define myself and I need to get more and be more. And so our mind is constantly outside of the present moment disconnected from what is here right now underneath the surface of all that separates us is this place of oneness and you can glimpse into it in those moments when you're present and Mm -hmm. this place of oneness and everything connected um i think it's challenging for us to hang out there because we're in this sort of split place of like the now here which is constantly changing Mm -hmm. and the nowhere and so the invitation on this may be a little too deep. I don't know, but on, <laughs> I'm on, a, but on a deeper level, the invitation is to to see with both those dualities, like to yeah. operate in the world of separation, because we there is a lot of separation in this world. But to navigate it is to know that underneath all of what's going on on this level of reality of separation, there's a connectedness too. There's a duality to it. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge, coming back to your question, mm-hmm. of why is it so hard to be present in the moment is because we're, we're living in a reality that makes us believe that all things are separate. And our mind wants to try to grab hold of that and pull us out of the present moment so that we can try to control it. It's like somehow right. we've got to like own our past or figure out our future. And if we could just drop into the present moment, and when we do, there's a peace that resides here in the moment. Um, but it is very challenging. So I think the challenge is just operating between those two dualities. I think it can also be really challenging just with how many distractions there are in modern life. Yeah. On another level of reality. Yeah. yeah our yeah. phones are buzzing. The average yeah. person is checking their cell phone 110 times a day. It's like, yeah. And we're told this is the crate. Have you guys noticed like how manipulated we are? Oh, like, yes. By, by technology. Oh, yeah. Like we think we're free because, oh, I've got this app that will do this for me. But all of a sudden there's this underlying pressure of, oh, I didn't take enough steps today. Or I mm-hmm. need to get more sleep. <laughs> or, you know, I need to be friends with all these people. Like and every aspect of your life is monitored. Completely. It's, yeah. It's and intense. and kind of this idea that we have to respond to everything. So there yes. is a very specific reason why the notifications on your phone are red. Yeah. It's to alert. Convey. Exactly. It's <laughs> urgency. an urgency. Yeah. Where it's like, actually, if you take a step back, 
which requires mindfulness and be like, actually, this is not something that I need to respond to right now. And yet I feel like that's kind of the world we live in. So totally. Yeah. And so it's like this practice of not getting sucked into all of that underlying pressure that's there and 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 becoming a victim of it it's Mm -hmm. like pause like learning how to create a little space and push pause and whether that's just taking a few deep breaths or going for a walk or just sitting and being I mean that's I mean there's so many different ways to incorporate this depending on your lifestyle Mm -hmm. you know I think the other thing that makes it challenging with modern life too is just like a real fixation on productivity and you know and it's the shoulds again right you should be doing something like even though when we're just sitting and being we are doing a lot for ourselves and yet it doesn't look that way right (laughs) right so that that I think is also a challenge for a lot of people is just feeling like yeah they can be and that's enough that's enough like that I am enough just as is yeah I'm just blown away by how when I'm in the present moment mind and body like how things just take care of themselves Mm -hmm. and I don't have to be so forceful and trying to figure it all out like the other day I was uh, getting a ride to the airport, early morning flight, my wife was dropping me off and I get to the terminal and I reach into my pocket and uh, I realize that I left my wallet at home and all of oh, a sudden no. my mind is just racing going, oh my gosh, like how could you do this? You got to catch a flight. So my wife drives back to my house to get the wallet and I'm waiting to, to check in through security and she calls and says, I can't find your wallet. I don't know where it is. And I'm thinking, like, how am I going to go to Toronto with no money? Like, mm. how's this going to work, right? And my mind is racing, trying to figure this all out. And um, I got that. So I, I took a moment. I took my own advice. I took a breath. I was just like, well, you know, some people have lived on, like, nothing for quite a while. So I'm going to just risk it. So I, I get on the plane, and I'm telling this guy, like, I, I have no money. I'm going to Toronto. All I've got is my Uber app on my phone. <laughs> He goes, well, here's $5. He reaches into his pocket. He goes, I think people live, like there was a documentary how someone lived on $5 a day. He's like, this will get you through the day. So I uh, I get off the plane and I'm thinking, this is going to be a crazy adventure. But, you know, my thoughts typically would be like, oh my God, you're so stupid. Where's your wallet? Mm -hmm. So I walk off the plane and I'm about 10 steps off the plane in Pearson Airport. I look down, there's a $5 bill there on the floor I'm like am I getting punked right now (laughs) so I like reach down pick up the five dollars and I think no this is like for two days now (laughs) yeah I've got two days and I'm thinking this is like a sign of abundance and to know that I'm always taken care of when I'm present like we are always being taken care of in the moment it's like when my mind races going I'm not gonna have enough so I finally unpacked my bags and there's my wallet. I like packed it in my checked on luggage. But this is a, a thing about mindfulness too. There's a, a saying in Hawaii, ika ponomea, and it means everything is happening perfectly on time. Mm-hmm. Yet it might not always feel like that to our saboteur mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. But to know that in this moment, you're always getting what you need. The right people are showing up, the right opportunities. And... Um, even those hard moments, like the cheating girl for me that cheated on me three times, it's like the, the truth is that girl's, I have so much respect now because she had to play that role in Ikaponomea when I look back so I could learn what it means to love myself and mm-hmm. not be taken advantage of. It's like everything is happening perfectly on time when you start getting present. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, yeah. Keith. It's been yeah. an absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah, this is great. Where can people find your book if they would like to source it out? Absolutely. Uh, well, Making Sense of Mindfulness is on Amazon at my website, keithmcpherson.ca. 
Uh, if you're in Winnipeg, it's at McNally mm-hmm. um, Chapters, Indigo, Barnes and Noble. And are you on the social medias? Can people find you, follow you? I am. Yes, I have a daily positive quote that comes out every day on social media. Keith M. Mack. Okay, yeah. great. Well, thanks so much. Great. For thanks here. so much. Thank you. We're going to finish things up with reading, watching, listening today. New year, lots of new shows. and Yes. Yeah. So do you, for, before I get into my rant, is there <laughs> anything that you started watching over the holidays that... Well, first of all, I would like to acknowledge that in Barack Obama's year-end list of things that he liked from the year, and whether it was written by him or a PR person, I don't know, but he said, here are the things I'm reading, watching, and listening. Oh, yeah. So... Clearly, he's a pod listener. Barack Obama listens to Barry the Lead. Obviously. That's the only <laughs> logical conclusion that can be drawn. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am uh, reading. I'm still reading uh, Zadie Smith's Feel Free, which is an mm-hmm. essay collection that I started back in December. But December was a wild. So. Yes, it was. Um, she is a very de- she's a novelist. But as an essay writer, it's been interesting to read her because I've only read her novels before. And uh, she is someone who can make you care about a subject, even if you like Key and Peele, for example. Mm-hmm. I've never seen their sketch show, and yet I read a multi-page like essay about them, and it was fascinating. Like yeah. she's very good about getting you interested into a subject. So oh. it's just she she goes long. Like I think this is another <laughs> like I don't think she's written a book that's less than like five hundred pages. Oh my so gosh, it's, like, it's dense, but like yeah, my new uh, reading goal is to just try to carve out some reading time every day, so it's not like a set thing or like yeah. set books or like that I've done in the past is just to make some time for it yeah. each day. Yeah. Which I think is good. Cause I'm really trying to, uh, have less screen time, particularly on my phone. Mm-hmm. I activated that feature where it tells you, like it gives you reports on how much screen time you've used. Mm. And I don't really want to know it. Yeah. I don't <laughs> recommend knowing, but I, 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 mine is down 27% according to the last, uh, well, report. So, Hey, something's working. <laughs> You were watching. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I started a whole bunch of stuff. Like I started the new season of Wentworth. I started the new... See, oh, I started this The Innocent Man, like another true crime thing on Ooh. Netflix. I watched the I haven't big, even heard of this. Oh my gosh. I can't even get into it yet. I'll talk about okay. it at a later date because I've only seen the first three or four episodes. Also for more watching, if you missed it, me, Aaron, and our colleague Jill Wilson did like kind of a TV roundtable. With mm-hmm. a bunch of suggestions for things you should watch. Yes. And basically we learned we watch too much TV and clearly none of us have children. Right. <laughs> um, Continue. So then I was reading about this new singing competition called the Masked Singer. Ooh. Yeah. Mysterious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's So basically celebrities, either singers, actors, athletes any real any from any genre of celebrity yes not just performers though like all sorts of people right. they <laughs> i can't even verbalize it without it sounding <laughs> l- like like a lunatic but they're they all choose these person these animal personas okay. and they wear these animal costumes on stage so that you don't know who's inside the costume okay so not just the audience but like they pick them up from their house. They are fully or like from a, from a, not their house, from like a location that they're fully <laughs> oh close. The director doesn't know who these celebrities are. The, the, the crew doesn't know who these celebrities are. Like nobody knows who they are. 
And if there's any sort of identifiable management or family members, they also have to be completely like cloaked. Oh my God. So, and they like wear gloves so you can't even see their hand. Like no skin is like, exposed. No identifying features Nothing. whatsoever. Nothing. So, <laughs> so the first episode was uh, on Wednesday night. And then what happens though? They perform and... They perform. So they go... So uh, last night they had six different celebrities in costume okay so they go in rounds of two so they compete against each other in rounds of two and then the audience votes on which one they like better to continue on right so there was a hippo versus a peacock <laughs> oh my God. there was a unicorn versus a deer and there no a lion versus a deer and a unicorn versus something oh a monster a little monster with one eye and oh my god so before they perform i'm sorry this is a very long-winded explanation but before they perform there's these little videos that they give clues about who they could be like very okay. vague clues and their voices are disguised and then does like a panel of judges have to guess who they kind are? of okay. the judges are just like the dumbest it's robin thick yarg jenny mccarthy <laughs> double yarg like don't even get me started on anti-vaxxers like, oh get out of here nicole scherzinger of the pussycat dolls fame oh that's who, what she's doing now who actually has rather intelligent deductive reasoning i will give her credit for that (laughs) and ken jong the comedian who was in hangover and community that is a very weird quite a panel of judges yeah most of the time they just sit there yelling i want to know who's in that (laughs) (laughs) costume. is it the same panel every episode yeah and and also jenny mccarthy's little like descriptor is pop culture guru and it made me literally cackle out loud when i I saw that i wish it was just anti-vax just like <laughs> moron should just be what it is so they're so they are at, at the end of every round they like think about the clues and they make their guesses and whatever but there's no real point of having judges because there's no winner like there's no there's nothing to win at the end there's no prize so what kind of <laughs> songs did they perform like the little monster performed don't stop me now by queen <laughs> um someone performed a uh imagine dragon song okay was there a reveal Okay, so then at the end of the episode, the three creatures that were in the bottom three, okay, um, one of them ends up having to reveal themselves. So every episode, one creature is revealed. Oh, I see. So last night it was some. So the creature you who, had the, who had the least the number of votes for the yeah. longest. Yeah. Amount of time. Okay. Yeah. So and then in total, there's twelve. So okay. sh- I guess it will be running for eleven weeks. Right. Um. So the creature last night that got revealed was the hippo the hip-hop hippopotamus (laughs) and it was a a football player from the pittsburgh steelers okay i'm like well this is a letdown i thought it was supposed to be like really crazy good celebrities celebrities well yeah but like i don't know who this guy is (laughs) and they keep saying that they're emmy winners oscar winner grammy winner maybe not oscar but emmy (laughs) maybe not oscar (laughs) maybe it's not like nicole kidman but like (laughs) but uh grammys emmys like one of them is good friends with because in the clues he said he was good friends with michael jackson and like so okay. they're supposed to be like legit celebrities. So I'm genuinely curious to see who they've roped into doing this. So this is a new reality TV show for your roster then. It is. Yeah. It's really dumb. And there's literally no point to it. Like Where there's did this no come from. Was I it believe, something else before? Yeah. I believe it was um, from Japan originally. Okay. Or another Asian country. I'm pretty sure it was Japan though. Cause they have crazy reality TV shows there. And then it became really, really popular. And there's been iterations in different countries all over the world. Oh, okay. So this is just like the newest and Nick Cannon hosts it, and he is, like, the worst. He is, like, <laughs> such a ham-fisted host. And he's like, let's watch this video and keep track of those clues. Oh like, my it's God. just it's so bad. He's, his jokes are terrible. But 
I am very intrigued and I will continue to watch. This was like a 10 minute explainer in the show. That's but fine. I look forward to periodic updates about the show as we I am very into the on. peacock. I'm just saying I think it's Donny Osmond, but we'll see. Really? We'll see. Interesting. Yeah. He is like a Vegas peacock. <laughs> I love it. And just like watching someone in full animal costume perform is hilarious. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's. Hmm. I just, I I'm very endeared towards it just because it's, I feel like it even should be more weird than it is. I might have to, uh, check you it should out. try, just try it. Um, what are you writing about right now? Who knows? <laughs> <Just> <laughs> no, I'm doing a, I'm working on a feature about, um, house concert, house concert venues. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because there are quite a few in the city that, um, are, she yeah. said like she doesn't sit beside you and know exactly what you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is cool. It is cool. <laughs> There's a lot of um, little house concert venues in the city that are pretty active actually. So I'm doing yeah. a little, little mini profile on, on hopefully four or five of them. Very cool. Mm-hmm. What are you up to? Um, I just filed a column about uh, hologram tours. Oh, and yeah. They're kind of like becoming a thing. Uh, Warn- Canadian Warn- press had a story. Um, basically like someone was approached about uh bringing jeff healy back to life via hologram and i don't know about this but it's a question people are gonna have to contend with more hey here's the answer no i well that's kind of stop it spoiler that's my (laughs) thesis of my column but it's also to me kind of the logical extension of where arena shows are going Mm -hmm. um just because they are becoming more artificial they are becoming more prepackaged they are becoming more precision and perfection based events yes it kind of isn't a stretch to me that we would just send a hologram because that's basically what it's turned into so um well tours now are just money to make money well and that's honestly why i understand why a hologram like and i think in the cp story serena Ryder was like it kind of intrigues me as a possibility for like because she doesn't really love going on super long tours like she's a bit more of an introvert and would prefer to stay at home Mm -hmm. if you can send a projected image in your place my argument there is like that's your job though that's the thing and also (laughs) like if you don't want to tour don't be a musician i also think that it takes away from the live show experience yeah i totally agree so that i wrote for that's how i feel about people who get salty about doing interviews i'm like that's your job though like it's it's part you can't just sit in your basement writing songs anymore like that's not how things work you, like you, you, it's no longer feasible to get by on pure genius like no you need to play the game a little bit yeah so yeah um you can find everything that we've written at winpegfreepress.com you can also follow us on social media i'm at jen Zerati on instagram and twitter i'm at naira ebel on instagram and twitter and we still have our bury the lead email address that no one seems to want to use to contact us <laughs> email us uh, ask some advice questions yeah please bury the lead at winpegfreepress.com i check it eh, like once a week so Nothing, nothing urgent, but please send. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of medium urgency. Medium urgency only. Yeah. And we'll see you next week.